Uh, we are, on Sunday mornings, we've been going through uh, the book of First Corinthians, and uh, this morning we're going to, this morning, old habits die hard. We're going to hop into, uh, the, we're going to hop back to the very first chapter, and this was read a little bit ago by Jim, and Paul begins his letter to the church in Corinth in verse 4. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. And considering everything, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, um, everything that we've read and learned about the church in Corinth, the fact that Paul says, I give thanks to you, to God, always for you, the first question that came to my mind is, why? Like, why is Paul giving thanks for the church in Corinth? If you haven't been here on Sundays, you know, he's been spending most of his letter correcting all their bad behavior. He's been addressing some of the cultural challenges. He's been addressing some of the misbehaviors, the the bad theology, the, the grumbling, the lack of unity. And before he addresses all of this, he starts his letter with a word of thanksgiving. And this struck me. It struck me because I thought, man, as a pastor, why? <laughs> like, what is going on in Paul's mind? What is in his heart where he can, before he spends lots of ink and words to a church that doesn't have their act together by any stretch of the imagination, would he be thankful? Well, he's thankful because they know Christ. He's thankful that they actually know who Jesus is, and because they know who Jesus is, their faith, despite all the misgivings, all the lack of good theology that he's having to address, because they know Christ, they are not going to lack any gift, and others will ultimately come to know Christ through this church. And so Paul had a very different lens that he was sort of viewing things through. And it's a lens that really pulls into perspective the grace of Christ and the mercy that we have in and through him. What Paul knows is that they aren't a perfect church, nor will they ever be a perfect church. But they're perfected in Christ. We experience the same thing. It's like when we come to acknowledge our own sinfulness, our own brokenness, we, when we know that we can't be good enough, when we come to the place where we understand that there is no amount of faithfulness that will make us a good and perfect church, we come to the same place that Paul is at. And we give thanks simply for knowing Christ. And Paul had a unique perspective on this. Paul uh, himself experienced a lot of trial and, and tribulation. If you go to the book of Philippians, he says, I know what it is to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned 
the secret I've learned in any and every circumstance, the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul is writing this while he's in prison, after having everything he could possibly have taken away from him. He says in the book of Philippians, this is his, his perspective. He says he could count everything as rubbish apart from Christ Jesus. Like he, he knows what the main thing is. And because he knows who Christ is, he's thankful. And this is unusual. It's unusual in Paul's day, and it's, it's actually really unusual in ours. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful, Right? I mean, it's easier to grumble and complain and point out the things that are wrong. It's easier to be aggressive or against. It's easier to look over all the blessings that we have and and not realize how much abundance there truly is. I mean, I was just thinking about this. Um, I was reading this article um, you know, some things from the 80s, I guess, are coming back, and that's when I grew up. And I remember, like, there was a, I, some of you are looking at each other like, yeah, yeah okay, I know I'm young. But, um, like, I remember, like, going to school without computers, and then suddenly there were computers. I remember the day the internet became a thing. Like, it just so much changed. I remember how it was, um, like, you had to be really wealthy to fly anywhere. Like, you just didn't fly anywhere. You had to drive everywhere. And now it's like anyone can fly. Most, it's accessible to not everyone, but to many people. Many people get to experience things, see things, uh, more than we probably ever have in the history of mankind in this country. And yet, we also have the highest rates of depression and anxiety and stress, and mortality, health, than any other country. And so how is it that we have so many things to be thankful for, and yet there's so many things that aren't really great? And what does that mean? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes these words, he says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I mean, he, he says a lot of things, but right in the middle of that, I noticed the word ungrateful. You know, I, I think what happens over time when you live in abundance is you start to think you deserve abundance. You start to think you deserve these things. You've worked hard after all. You're a self-made man or, or woman. 
And there's just no end to this, though. Because in the middle of that ungratefulness, you, you start to see the things that maybe other people have that maybe you're lacking. Um, the, whole, the whole context of our culture is actually meant to teach us to be ungrateful and to seek more. This occurred to me just like two weeks ago. I have a fine computer. It's a MacBook, right? And Mac announced a new line of Macs, and one of them is black. And all I could think is, now I want that black computer. And it took me a minute, like, seriously, I, I was looking it up online. I was trying to price it out to see maybe I could convince my wife that it would be okay if I exchanged my current computer for this new black one. But then when I looked at the specs and everything, I was like, no, this is silly. Like, I just want it because it's black and nobody else has the black one yet. But I went from being completely grateful and happy with what I had to realizing there's something now I didn't have that I wanted. And so everything in our culture actually kind of feeds this, which I think leads to unhappiness, anxiety, and depression. We should strive to be thankful. God calls us to be a people of thanksgiving because of who Christ is in our lives and, and realize that in Christ we have everything. And we have moments of like genuine thanksgiving, but it's fleeting. And so how do we have continuous thanksgiving and thankfulness? And I was thinking about this too, like some fleeting examples of Thanksgiving. You know, one of the best examples of a fleeting Thanksgiving, you remember when the ice storms came through in Austin and all the tree limbs fell off and it was a whole mess, right? Well, I was driving in the van with my wife down Brody. There were stacks of tree limbs all over the place and I was just hopping along. I don't know what the speed limit is. I don't care what the speed limit is. I was just going. And all of a sudden, lights start flashing behind me because I was speeding, right? And so I pull over. Teresa's looking at me like, here we go. Uh, just for the record, my wife has never gotten a ticket. I may have gotten a few. The cop comes up. I roll down the window and that sense of dread. And all of a sudden, the cop peeks in and says, Miss Teresa! And she and the cops start talking. He came to the Let It Shine preschool and they did this whole thing teaching the kids about cops. And he was like, oh, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. And don't worry, you're just going to get a warning this time. And he walks off. And I look over at her and she's got the biggest grin on her face like, and I'm like, this is why she never gets tickets. But man, if you've ever pulled over and gotten off with a warning, that's thankfulness like you, whoo, and you feel so good right you're like shouting from the rooftops as you pull away from that cop hallelujah thanksgiving but that feeling fades and you forget 
And so what is it that we need to be continuously thankful? How do we work on our thanksgiving? Well, for one, uh, it's, it's an act of discipleship. That means we, we need to be more like Christ. We need to, to emulate him and faithfully follow him. But not in some sort of legalistic way. And so this is the trap. Is that we sometimes tend to treat our relationship with God and Christ like some sort of an arrangement that gives us a, a false thanksgiving. And some good examples of this, in like Matthew 18 and 19, um, there's the story of the, the rich young ruler, right? He goes up to Christ and he's like, I have kept every commandment you have ever given and, and what must I do to inherit eternal life? He wants to know what's the one thing he's got to do because he's already done everything. And so he felt pretty confident. And Jesus raised the bar on him, and he said, well, then sell all your possessions, and then you can follow me. And he walked away sad. And one of the reasons why he walked away sad is because he was a self-made man. He had done everything. He was proud and, and didn't really need Christ. He just needed to sign on the dotted line. And what Jesus was trying to force him to see, just like sometimes with our kids, you, rich young ruler, are not the center of the world, and you need to say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And so we sometimes need to be reminded by our Heavenly Father, like we remind our kids, we need to say thank you, because we have everything in Christ, and that is enough. Thank you. And Peter heard him share this story about the rich young ruler. He heard, this, he heard about this, and, and Peter uh, wasn't sure what this meant because in the process, Jesus said, you know, those who are first will be last, and those who are last will be first. And Peter, who had been following Jesus all along, was like, what does this mean? Does this mean I'm first? Am I last? Like, where am I in relationship to Christ? And so Jesus tells this parable, right? He goes and gets some day workers, and he says, you know, that he goes and gets them to hire them, a farmer. And they say, you know, we'll work for you if you give us a day's wage, which is a denarius. And so they go and they begin working. And he ends up needing more workers. And so he goes and gets more workers. And he goes and gets more workers. And finally, he's just getting people to come before there's even an agreement made about how much they're going to be paid. And at the end of the day, what does the, the employer do? He starts with the workers who worked like one hour at the end of the day, and he gives them a denarius. And he begins to work his way up to those who have worked the full day and gives them a denarius. And those full day workers are furious because they've been working in the sun, in the Texas heat, breaking their backs. They were expecting five, six, seven denarii for all the work that they've done. And they were given one. And what was Jesus really trying to say? He was the, the employer, the one who paid them, said, isn't it my money to give? Like, what does it matter? This is what you agreed to. And so it's sort of the same sort of challenge to us at times. 
Like we, we think sometimes because we put in the work, you're here in church today, we deserve more. So sometimes we begin to, to treat our relationship with Christ as a contract, some sort of agreement, like I'll do this for you, God, if you do this for me, instead of just being thankful for the work, for the gift. But it can be hard to be thankful. I mean, maybe today you don't feel like there's much to be thankful for. And this is a challenge too. Right? We have to sort of examine our hearts and ask ourselves, where is God leading us? In Colossians chapter 3, and above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here's what's crazy, if we can figure this out, if we can be more intentionally thankful, even if we're not feeling it always, like if we can start to exercise our minds to see all the good things instead of all the bad things, then things start to shift. I mean, think about this. Think about the people in your life. Think about what you see when you're out shopping in the grocery stores, at the red light, how many people do you hear, like, seriously, walking around talking about how great everything is all the time? Like, almost always when you ask people, how are you, either it's just a simple answer, fine, thank you, or it's, and I'm guilty of this, tired, stressed, this thing, that thing, it's the email, it's the phone call. How unusual would it be if you were thankful? <laughs> if you were more thankful, if you understood that you have everything in and through Christ, then all of a sudden when people interact with you, they hear you not complaining, they hear you not groaning about things that are wrong with the government or with your families or with your jobs or with your church, and they hear you recognizing the things that God has given you. And now all of a sudden you're salt and light in a world full of ungrateful people. Lovers of money chasing after the wind. But even if we struggle with this, Christ comes to us always. This is what he talks about in Matthew 11. He, he gives thanks for those who his Father reveals him to. And it's that passage 
where he says, come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. That is, it is real. Life is real. We, we will be wearied. We will be burdened. But we have everything. We have the perspective, the gift that Paul had, that promise that Jesus will sustain you. That is, even your worst day is nothing compared to the riches you have in Christ. The world is always fading. But with Christ, you have forever. You have everything. And God is faithful. So even if you're unsure of what it feels like to be thankful because it's been a while, even if you struggle right now maybe to, to think of three things to give thanks for, Give thanks for this, that God has revealed his son to you, and in him you will find rest for your weary soul. And for that, we can always give thanks. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.